It started at Calvary On an old rugged tree And it was a river By the time it found me And ever since that day I ain't been the same Red River roll on Washing sins away Red River roll on Red River roll on Cleansing men's sin stains The reason that you have flowed for so long. Roll on crimson stream, making sinners clean. Red River, roll on, Red River, roll on. Are you getting? A little time of this old world sin has pain and heartache invited you in. Let me tell you what you need to do just step on into the river. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood. And thank God it still washes whiter than snow. Praise God. I'm glad to be a one God, Jesus' name, tongue-talking apostolic tonight. I'm glad I've got this sweet Holy Ghost in my soul. Wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, tonight to the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 8. And I'd like to say thank you to Pastor Harrington, Sister Harrington, this invitation, opportunity to be in this great church. It is a blessing to be here tonight. Salute all of these uh, great ministers, these men of God. We respect you and appreciate you highly uh, tonight. Praise God. I'd like to say again how blessed I've been to be with Elder Gross, a tremendous preacher, Bible teacher, and uh, just appreciate his ministry so, so very much. Heard about a little boy that was sent to town back in the old days to sell some butter that his mama had made. And she said, son, go to the store and tell Mr. Jones at the store that, uh, that we want 50 cents for this butter. But if he won't pay 50 cents, you can take 35 cents. And so he took the butter down to the store and he told the gentleman, he said, now, Mr. Jones, he said, my mama wants 50 cents for this butter. She said, if you won't take 50 cents, if you won't give 50 cents, said, uh, we'll take 35 cents. So the owner of the store, he gladly paid 35 cents for the butter. And so little boy got his money, was just about to leave. And he said, the young man, come here, I want to tell you something. He said, yes, sir. He said, son, there's a lesson in life you need to learn. And that is that uh, you don't need to tell everything you know. He said, if you hadn't told me your mama would take 35 cents, he said, I would have gladly paid you 50 cents for this butter. But uh, you made the mistake of telling everything you knew. He said, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't tell you the cat fell in the churn. I'm not going to try to tell you everything I know tonight, but I sure am going to tell you some things you already know, but I hope you'll help me preach for just a few minutes tonight. Are you going to help me tonight? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter number 8, verse 18, and Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and I want to move up to chapter number 20 and verse number 7, chapter 20 of Second Samuel and verse number 7. There went out after him Joab's men and the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men. And then I want to move over to Second Samuel chapter number 23, Second Samuel chapter 23, verse number 20, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow, and he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. 
But he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and had the name among three mighty men. And then one final passage in 1 Kings, just a few pages over. 1 Kings chapter number 1 and verse number 36. 1 Kings 1, 36. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen, the Lord God of my Lord, the king say so too. As the Lord hath been with my Lord, the king, even so be he with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. Zadok the priest took an horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, God save King Solomon. You want a title tonight? I, I felt a few days ago that the Lord laid something on my heart for this service tonight. And if you want a title, I'd like to preach Bodyguards of the King. The Bodyguards of the King. Let's ask the Lord to bless His Word. God, we love You. Lord, we appreciate You. God, it's so good to be in Your house, to have heard what we have heard. To have felt what we have felt. We're so blessed. We're such a privileged people to be a part of the church of the living God. Touch us tonight. Anoint us, God. Help us, Lord, to do your perfect will in this service. We'll give you praise for it. We'll give you glory for it. We'll give you honor for it all. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lord bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. It is no secret to us tonight that King David was a mighty man and that King David was a leader of mighty men. We could talk a little bit tonight about some of David's great men. There were men like Adino who at one time slew 800 enemies with a spear. Men like Shammah who defended a field of beans against an entire army of Philistines. They were mighty men. There was Eleazar who fought so hard and so long that his hand clave to the sword. Couldn't get his grip to release from the sword because he was such a fighter. Mighty men. 
There were three men who uh, had just heard the wish of their leader, David. Say, oh, that I had a drink of the waters of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And these men said, there's not a Philistine going to stop us. There's not an army going to stop us. Not a sword, not a shield, not a spear going to stop us. We're going to get the vision of our leader. We're going to see it done. Hallelujah. Mighty men. And three men fought their way through and fought their way back. And when they got back, David didn't take a drink. He just poured it out on the ground. And they didn't get offended and quit. They were mighty men. Amen. And then there was a man that read to you a few verses of Scripture about, a man by the name of Benaiah. Benaiah was uh, a man that uh, the Bible says he was more honorable than the 30 mighty men of David. Benaiah was a man who was not afraid of the odds. He was not he was not afraid of uh, facing down an enemy. Benaiah was not a man who shrank away from the battle. Benaiah was one of David's chief mighty men. And can I tell you the reason that these were great men is that they were willing to follow a great man? The reason that these men were powerful and that they were anointed is because they were willing to submit to a man who was powerful and anointed. They were willing to follow. I'm going to tell you there's power in following. There's power in submitting. Joshua would have never been able to command the sun to stand still except he knew how to follow Moses. Elisha would have never, would have never, as a, as a dead man, had another dead man jump up out of his grave when he touched his bones, except way back there he knew how to follow. He would have never been able to smite the waters of the Jordan River and they went hither and thither and he walked across when, when he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? You know why? Because he had followed the God of Elijah and he had followed the man who followed the God of Elijah. Praise the Lord. And so here is Benaiah. This is a great man, chief among these 30. And Benaiah, he, he left a legacy in 2 Samuel 23. The Bible said that he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Now that must have been quite a fight. It just didn't say these were strong men. It didn't just say these were big men. It said they were lion-like men. And he slew two of them. Another time, he uh, went down into a pit when it was snowing and there was a lion in the pit and Benaiah made up his mind, one of us is not going to come out alive. And while the fur was flying, Benaiah was fighting and Benaiah was the one who come out alive. Uh, He didn't run from a battle, I'm telling you. There was another time he faced an Egyptian who was a goodly man. He was a warrior. He was a champion. He was a mighty man. And Benaiah just so happened to have a staff in his hand and the Egyptian had a spear in his. 
But before the fight was over, Benaiah had the spear and he had slain this Egyptian warrior with his own spear and walked away alive. Now, I'm going to tell you, he may have been short on brains, but he wasn't short on bravery. He was a mighty man. Kind of like the Boy Scout that he showed up at the Boy Scout meeting and he was all scratched and bruised and he, he got there at the Boy Scout meeting and they said, what in the world has happened to you? He said, I did my good deed today. And they said, uh, well, well, man, it must have cost, he said, it sure cost me something. He said, but I got my good deed done for the day. They said, well, what was it? He said it was helping an old lady across the street. They said, well, well, how did you get so scratched up and bruised helping an old lady across the street? He said she didn't want to go. <laughs> he had a fight on his hands. But the Bible said that David set Benaiah over his guard, over his personal guard. And the Bible also says that it was Benaiah that was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. Benaiah over the bodyguard. David over these two groups called the Cherethites and the Pelethites that made up the bodyguard of David. So here it is, two families that have been given responsibility for the protection of the king, for the well-being of the king, for the security of the king and his household. The king has got to be defended. The throne has got to be defended. The crown has got to be protected. The palace has got to be protected. The scepter of the king, his symbol of authority and power, has got to be protected. The royal lineage has got to be protected. The city that the king dwells in has got to be protected. Everything that the king is and everything that the king represents and everything that the kingdom will be has got to have somebody willing to protect it. Got to have somebody. Got to be a personal guard that is always awake and is always alert at all times to whatever threat there may be and to whatever challenge there may be, there's got to be protection for the king and the kingdom. And I want to tell you tonight in this meeting, in August 17, 2007, the church, it needs somebody that is willing to defend what is precious and what is valuable. Somebody to defend what is indispensable to the well-being of the king. I'm going to tell you what we need today. We need somebody that's willing to defend the church. Not run down the church. Somebody willing to defend the church. Somebody willing to defend the pastor. Somebody willing to defend the saints. Oh, somebody willing to defend the youth group. Somebody willing to defend this one God message. Somebody willing to defend Acts 2.38. Somebody willing to stand up for doctrine. 
Somebody willing to stand up for Jesus' name baptism? Somebody willing to stand up for this Holy Ghost infilling? Somebody willing to stand up for the standards? Stand up for worship? Stand up for giving? Stand up for unity? Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. I recently wanted to find out about who these two groups were that made up David's bodyguards, these Cherethites and Pelethites. I was surprised to learn of the origins of these two family groups, if you will. I began to go through several commentaries and I found out, they told me that the Cherethites were actually born Philistines. They had actually come from a city of Philistia and they were expert in archery and in the slinging of stones. They were probably uh, a part of the Philistine army. They were probably standing behind Goliath that day that he stood out there, those many days that he stood there in that valley and he, 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 uh, he begged for somebody to come out and challenge him. He, he dared a man, anybody, to step out of Saul's army and fight him one-on-one. And that, that day that David stepped out with uh, a sling and five smooth stones, they were probably at the ready behind Goliath and just with uh, their, their bows stretched taut and just, just waiting on the word and waiting for... Goliath's challenger to fall, just waiting on the chance to unleash a uh, a fury of arrows at the enemy. They they little did they know that this little shepherd boy that's walking out there across that valley and didn't look like he had much going for them. Little did they know when they stood there behind the worldwide champion Goliath and they were standing there proud among the uh, the world power Philistia little did they know one day I'm going to be on that side one day I'm not going to be taunting the Israelites I'm going to be standing on the inside and one day I'm not going to be trying to bring them down, but I'm going to be in the king's palace and I'm going to be in the capital city and I'm going to be defending, standing with the king and his person and his family. Uh, oh, I'm going to tell you there's some testimonies in this place tonight. Uh, there were some of you that used to stand with Goliath. Uh, there were some of you that used to drink with Goliath. Uh, there were some of you that used to run with Goliath. Uh, there were some of you that used to party with Goliath and you never dreamed when you come by the old fashioned apostolic holiness church and one day you'd be right there in the big middle of it that you'd be the one speaking in tongues that you'd be the one shouting the victory that you'd be the one amen and the preacher that you'd be the one running the aisles that you'd be the one amen happy and thrilled about being in the house of the Lord Amen, here they are. They were born as Philistines. They'd grown up as Philistines. 
They'd been trained in the way of the Philistines. They'd been raised up in the army of the Philistines. They'd always been the enemies to Israel. The Philistines had always been a thorn in the side of the Israelites. And yet, who would know that these well-trained soldiers that had always been on the Philistine side of the fight, that one day there would be a conversion. That one day they'd be on the complete opposite side. That they weren't born into Israel. Had no reason to be in Israel. They didn't have any name among Israel. But one day they got converted. Oh, hallelujah. My Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past, uh, in times past you walked uh, according to the course of the world, uh, according to the prince of the power of the air. Uh, And uh, it says, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. Uh, You remember those days? Uh, In the lust of our flesh, uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh uh, and of the mind, uh, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Uh, But, God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, and hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show what is the riches of his grace, in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I used to be one of those Philistines, but thank God I'm in the church. Thank God I'm on a pew. Thank God I'm in the house of the Lord. Thank God I'm in the king's bodyguard today. Amen. Paul said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor the abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But now, you're washed. But now, you're sanctified. Justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. Some of you... You really didn't belong here. You weren't born here. But thank God we've been washed. Thank God we've been sanctified. Thank God we've been justified. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. The Cherethites. Born Philistines. And then there was the other half of David's bodyguard. There was what was called the Pelethites or Pelethites. They were the children 
of a man by the name of Pellet. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, which was the same tribe that Saul came from. And this tribe of Benjamin produced also some experts in the use of the sling, just as David had been an expert in the use of the sling as a young man. These men were not foreign-born mercenaries that had been hired in the king's army. These were natural-born Israelites. When they were born, they were supposed to go up to the house of God. When, when they were little children, they heard the Shema, which was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And, and you're to love the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Amen. That was something that they knew. They knew what it was to go to the house of God and that priest take that that uh, sacrifice and put it on the altar. Blood ran down the side of the altar. They they knew what it was to go up to the house of God and, and the priest walk uh, uh, through there with that swinging that that censer with the incense in it and the smoke coming up and, and the people standing there with their hands raised and tears running down their face saying, thank God our sins have been atoned for for one more year. They, they knew the teaching of the Word of God. They knew the preaching of the Word of God. They knew the presence of God. They knew the law of God. These were born Israelites. Can I tell you today uh, that the church is not just made up of ex-druggies and ex-drunkards and, and ex-dope addicts and I thank God for everyone. I, I, I'm happy for everybody that comes out of the bar and I'm happy for everyone that comes out of, uh, of uh, off of Skid Row and wherever they come from and whatever they've done but there's some young folks that sitting on a pew that, that, that hadn't had a cigarette in their mouth and, and they hadn't had a drink of alcohol and, and they haven't been running out to the bars and, and all of the places of ill repute. I, I thank God that there's some young folks that said, I want to give my life to God and I don't ever have to go get drunk one time and I don't ever have to go commit fornication one time. I want to give all of my days, all of my life, all of my future, all of my time, I want to give it to God. Let me tell you, young people, I'm thankful for everybody's testimony, but I want to tell you, you don't have to be an ex-biker to have a testimony. You don't have to be an ex-drug dealer to have a testimony. Uh, no, sir. You don't have to be an ex-mafia boss to have a testimony. You don't have to come off death row and out of the penal institution to have a testimony. Uh, you can stay right in church all of your life and have a testimony. Thank God I'm saved. Thank God he delivered me. Thank God he set me free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God. I'm telling you, you can be seated. I'm going to tell you, young folks, that your testimony is just as powerful. Your testimony is just as powerful. You don't have to take a tuck head when you go to work, when you go to school. Somebody says, where do you go to church? And 
What do y'all believe? You don't have to say, well, well, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've just been around there all my life and I, I just I ain't really sure. You can hold your head up high and say, I'll tell you where I go to church and I'll tell you what I believe and I, I'll tell you where it is in the Bible. I'll tell you why I dress this way. I'll tell you why I look this way, why I act this way. I'm a blue blood Benjamin. I'm part of the king's bodyguards. I was born with a job to do. I was born to worship. I was born to shout. I was born to talk in tongues. I was born to run the house. I was born to live for God like I live for God. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what's beautiful is when we come to the house of God and there's some ex-Philistines lifting their hands and say, thank God I'm free, free, free from this world of sin. And there's a, a Benjamite blue blood standing right next to him saying, thank God you preserved me. Thank God you kept me. Thank God you watched out for me. Thank God you sustained me. Hallelujah. And here they were. You can be seated. There's two groups committed to one leader and committed to one purpose. Protection of the kingdom. Side by side said, I didn't walk the road that you walked and you didn't walk the road that I walked, but we're going to stand here and worship the same one God. We're going to get behind the same apostolic preaching. We're going to live right. We're going to die right. We're going to worship right. Oh, hallelujah. And pastor, when there comes a crisis in the church, you can depend on us. We're going to stand. When things get a little tied in the church, we're going to worship God. When the devil tries to bring division right down in the church, we're going to stand by the man of God that's been given to us. Pastor, you can preach whatever you want to preach. Preach against anything you want to preach. We're going to be on our feet because we're part of the king's bodyguards. The kingdom's got to be protected. Pastor, you can't hurt my feelings. You can't run me off. A bodyguard's got to be tougher than that. I don't have to sing a special every Sunday night. I don't have to play a musical instrument. I don't have to be put in no position. Well, I, 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 I don't have to be petted and pampered and massaged and coddled. And I'm going to be here. 
with my weapons in my hand, with my armor on. The kingdom's dependent on my faithfulness. Oh, hallelujah. You may be seated. There came the time of Absalom's revolt. Absalom, full of charm and full of charisma and with his long flowing hair and, and with his winsome smile and his striking good looks. And, and here is Absalom winning the hearts of the people. Woo, it was easy to fall for such a smooth talker. Easy to be influenced by somebody who seemed to care so much, so full of compassion and exuding personality. And one by one, influential people are falling under his spell. One by one, people who have position and people who have power in the kingdom and people who have been loyal for years to David, they are, they, they, uh, are being mesmerized and hypnotized by, by Absalom to the place he had won the hearts of the men of Israel. To the place that David is not safe on his throne. David is not safe wearing his crown. David is not safe in his palace. David is not safe even in the city of Jerusalem. And we find him running for his life. David, the great man. David, the giant killer. David, the warrior. He is running for his life. And he runs out the city gates and he crosses over the brook Kidron and he's going up what we now call the Mount of Olives and he's weeping. The people that are with him are weeping and he's throwing dirt on his head. And guess who is right beside him? When it would have been more advantageous for them to say, well, a lot of influential people just kind of siding with Absalom. I imagine as caring and compassionate as Absalom is, surely he would raise our salaries. We ain't getting paid enough anyway around here. I'll tell you what, I, I, I take my chances. I, Absalom seems to be far more personable than David. It may not have been to their advantage. They didn't have a palace to walk through. They didn't have the city walls surrounding them. But there was the quality of loyalty And said, David, we were with you when you was winning battles. And we're going to be with you when things ain't going so good for you. We were with you in the good times. We're going to stay with you in the bad times. We were with you when you was on the throne. And now we're going to be with you when you're out here running across the desert. Oh, we are living in a day where people are more wrapped up in what's good for me and looking out for, oh, number one, you don't treat me right on this job, I'll go get me another one. 
if I, if I, if I don't, if I ain't happy in this marriage, I'll, I'll go get me another one. I don't like this church and y'all ain't treating me as important as what I really am. I'll go find me another one. Oh, I'll, I'll just. <clears throat> David, will you bodyguard? And when the numbers are large or the numbers are small, I'm loyal. David, whether there's peace or there's chaos, I'm loyal. David, whether you're laughing or you're crying, I'm loyal. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. You, we, you say, well, i tell you what. If this church, if this church, if this church was what it should be and our preacher was what he should be, man, we'd be having revival. Well, I'm going to tell you, when, they, when the sinners walk through those doors, they feel that division. And they feel that old critical spirit. And if you ain't convinced this is the best thing going, they're not going to be too impressed with it either. If you're not happy about what your pastor's preaching, don't expect them to get stirred up about it. If you're just sitting there with a little Baptist nod, don't expect them to, to feel conviction and run to an altar. But I'm going to tell you when they get stirred up, it's when you get stirred up. When you get on your feet. When you got tears rolling down your face. When you get fired up about the church, they'll get fired up. <clears throat> Amen. Say, so, well, we're just waiting on the Spirit. We're just waiting on the move of God. We just wait. Did you know that God is not responsible for the atmosphere that's in our churches? Say, so, well, you know, it's just God is not responsible. We're responsible for the atmosphere. If there's a lot of tension there, that's not God's fault. If Sister Sally's mad at Sister Josie and they're looking over there and you know, mean eyes at one another and sticking their tongue out at one another across the street because one of them's kid beat up the other kid after church and they probably don't do that here. That ain't God's fault. Ooh, hallelujah. I done went to meddling now. You know, if it were up to some people, every service would be dead. Every preacher would struggle to get a word out across the pulpit. The grass would be two feet high in the yard, in the churchyard. Lord have mercy. I, I, I went the other day, I went to Jimmy Carter's hometown. Jimmy Carter's hometown. He, uh, the president from Georgia, praise God. I promise you, Plains, Georgia ain't much to go see. One of the historic sites on the tour is the church that Jimmy Carter teaches Sunday school in. And uh, he evidently got mad at the church uptown and went down the way and started 
church, and and he teaches Sunday school there. And 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 we drove up, and uh, and the grass was this high in the front yard, and the steeple looked like it was just about to fall over any time soon. Discolored and and dingy. The church, the 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 sign had had black streaks on it. I said, this is where the president of the United States goes to church and tell where his priorities are. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. You know what makes a good church? People that take responsibility for making it a good church. Oh, help me, Jesus. You know why there's a beautiful building here? It's because somebody said, we want the house of God to be beautiful. You know what? Just a little neglect and and the eaves would be crumbling in. Just a little neglect and half the light bulbs would be off. Just a little neglect and there'd be... Uh, Dirt in the corner and, and, and dirty streaks on the carpet and some of the carpet ripped up. Just a little bit of neglect. But thank God for saints that say, Pastor, tell me what needs to be done. If it's revival time, I'm loyal. If it's work day, I'm loyal. If it's Saturday visitation, I'm loyal. If it's praying around the altar, I'm loyal. Well, I lost some of you there. Amen. You know what you need to say? This is my church, and my church is the best church. If you claim to be a member, and you say that church down there, shame on you. That ain't that church down there. This is my church. And I'm happy about my church. I'm thrilled about my church. Somebody's got to defend it. Oh, amen. You ought to go to work on Monday and say, my, you ought to come to my church. You ought to just walk through the doors one time. You ought to come hear my pastor preach. You ought to hear our choir sing. You ought to feel the presence of God that we feel there on Sunday night. Woo. Amen. You can be seated. Oh, that's our little preacher. God bless him. I've heard better. We're praying for him. He sure struggles sometimes. God bless him. My mind just wanders and wanders and wanders. Lord, help you. And let a visiting preacher come through. Let me say this. There ought not be any visiting preacher. I don't care if he's a conference preacher, camp meeting preacher, or who he is, that gets any more compliments than your pastor. Amen. Any evangelist? Well, well, you know, you know what? Your pastor's voice can become so familiar you just tune it out. 
And it ain't that it's boring, it's that you ain't listening. And you know what? If you'd perk up a little bit and look at him and wave a hand to keep the buzzard from landing every now and then and, you know, maybe get up on your feet and say, Preach it! He's liable to get inspired like he ain't never been inspired. I've seen, I've seen preachers, I've seen preachers, some of the greatest preachers in Pentecost in their own home church. I mean, uh, if, it, if, if people get a chance to hear them, they're like, and in their own home church, praise God. And then you let some visiting preacher come through and thank God for visiting preachers. I, I are one tonight. And I sure want you to help me, praise God. You let some visiting preacher, the same, same person that's clipping their fingernails and Same people going in and out, in and out. What's the matter with people that can't sit still for 40 minutes? Can't pray for 30 minutes? Well, I didn't ruin myself, so I might as well go ahead and preach tonight. What's the matter with people? Can sit at a computer for three hours and never move and never get up? and can't sit and hear the word for 45 minutes? Can sit in a fishing boat for five hours and get bored when the preacher goes a little long? You're not in the bodyguard. You're not loyal. My Lord, have mercy. Oh, I've, I've seen people sit there bored. And then, man, somebody else come through and... Who is that? Just come in here. Woo. Come up. God sent you, brother. God sent you. Oh, God sent you. Lord, you just, we was talking about that on the way, on the way to church. God's, I've never heard that. I was just teaching it for eight weeks and they never heard it. They were telling the truth. I knew they wasn't listening. I'm going to tell you when you're going to have revival. It's when you quit blaming the preacher and blaming the church and critical of the saints and running down the youth, the young people and critiquing everything and everybody and you just get behind what's going on and say, I'm sold out. I'm crazy about what's happening here. This is my church and I'm going to give it my all. Amen. Amen. You, you can be seated. You can be seated. Well, I tell you what. I, I love. 
I love the singing and I, I love the preaching. I mean most of it, but I tell you what, the people in this church just ain't friendly. They just ain't friendly. I tell you what, I've, I've been going here, I've been going here for a while now and I'm telling you one thing. I, these people, I tell you, uh, I can't, I, I just can't get people to talk to me. I mean, I got there at 7.45. Church started at 7.30 and we got, I got there at 7.45 and I left at 8.20. And I don't know why they didn't come climbing over pews and knocking themselves out to come speak to me. I've been there. I mean, I come to a church function and I hid myself in the Sunday school room the whole time and nobody barged the door down to come say hello and find out what's wrong. They just ain't friendly around here. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. If you ain't friendly, the church ain't friendly because you be the church. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And as long as you got a chip on your shoulder and waiting for everybody to come to you, you're going to be waiting a long time. But we need some folks in the bodyguard. We need some folks that'll get out of their shell. Say, Brother Townley, I'm so glad to see you. I love you. I love your singing. Brother Gross, I love you even if you think I'm a bomb. Brother Wakefield, good to meet you. Brother Walker, Brother Wing, I, I love you, brother. I... Appreciate you. What's wrong with that? And people... Plus, I'm about to preach a preaching too long. Being too cold. My Lord, I'd come to church tomorrow, but I tell you, that air conditioner about to freeze me out. And you, I am ruining a Friday night service. <laughs> and somebody just crossed the way going, Are you hot? I'm burning up. Are you hot? And there's somebody else. Can I borrow your jacket? And it ain't because they're spiritual either. Well, honey, put a parka on, a scarf, and gloves, and thermals if you have to. Come on to church. And some of us, if we get up and move a little bit, we might get a little warmed up. The devil's going to try everything he can to turn you against the church and to turn you against the pastor and to turn you against the saints because this is your only hope. Well, it ain't, I, I, I'm okay with the AC. It's just the PA is too loud for me. Them preachers get in that mic and they scream and scream and they scream and I can't understand a word they're saying. They're spitting and screaming. I wish I could understand one single... Ain't, don't do me a single... Don't do me any good to even go to church. I can't understand a word they're saying. Boy, y'all got quiet on that. And I... I might need to whisper my sermon here. You know, I, I suspect it ain't so much the screaming that bothers them. 
I suspect it's not that they don't understand some things. I'm just a little suspicious it's what they do understand. That just might make them a little uncomfortable. Hey, we're not here trying to make people miserable. We're not here trying to be ugly and arrogant and in your face and, and, and make church as miserable as we can. We're trying to do our best to save everybody we can. And we realize that sometimes the AC is a little too cold and sometimes somebody else is too hot. Sometimes there's some that's putting cotton in their ear and, and, uh, and, and making awful faces and as other folks straining to hear and, 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 and trying to, trying to get a little closer. You can't please everybody with everything. And then sometimes people say, y'all need some new songs. I'm, I'm sick of them old songs. I'm tired of singing. I, them old songs, I've heard them songs for 40 years. I just, could y'all get something new? And you start singing some new songs. Why, well, bless God, what's wrong with amazing grace and how great thou art in the old rugged cross? Why, well, Lord, they've, they've done gone crazy on us. All they sing new songs now. And sometimes it's the same person. You know what? We don't always get everything just right. It may be 68 degrees when it ought to be 73. And it, the PA may be a little loud and and then it may not be loud enough. And, and there may be a few new songs and a few old songs. But if the truth is being preached. Church is not for our convenience. Church is not for our comfort. Church is not to just make us thrilled and happy all the time. It's to save our souls. Well, I, I just don't see. I don't. I just don't see what's wrong with it. That's why you've got a preacher. Well, my little darling, you know, she wanted to wear something that the preacher's, and I know he was aiming right at her, <laughs> and it just breaks my heart because nobody understands her. Nobody understands my little junior. I, that's why he gets in fights all the time. It just knocks a snot out of every kid in Sunday school and nobody understands him. Ooh, hallelujah, Lord, help me, Jesus. I don't understand why the preacher handled this situation like this. And it, this, it looks like to me it's the same thing. The same thing, and he handled that a little differently, and I, I just, I'd like to know why. I just don't know why. That's why you got a pastor that sometimes has to make some hard decisions, and he can't explain everything to you because he wouldn't breach people's confidence, and he wouldn't embarrass people any more than what he has to. And sometimes he has to stand up with broad shoulders and take the blame. And things may look unfair. And his heart is breaking when he did the best he could do. And he can't explain all of the details of the situation to everybody. 
That's why you got a pastor to make decisions you don't have to make. And that's why you ought to just thank God. Thank God I don't have that burden. I don't have that responsibility. Preacher, just preach to us. Preacher, tell us what we need to do. Preacher, get on our case. We're loyal. Amen. Amen. There was another time Sheba declared himself to be king. And here come the king's bodyguard. Joab steps in. Benaiah steps in. And the Bible said that they went through all of the tribes. You read it. They went through all of the tribes of Israel looking, hunting down that usurper of the throne. And finally they came to a city named Abel and they besieged it and began to batter on the city gates until finally there was an elderly woman that came to the gates and said, uh, what is it that you're looking for? They said, you have a rebel in your midst that's tried to take David's throne, and we're after him. She said, are you come to destroy a city known for its wisdom and come to destroy a mother in Israel? You give me a little bit, and I'll make sure that Sheba is delivered to you. And she went back and met with the city fathers. And then a little bit, here come the head of Sheba. Over that wall. And they left that city. And they had put down another revolt. You know, I see not only loyalty in this bodyguard. But I see persistence. I see persistence. Until the victory comes, until deliverance comes, uh, until the breakthrough comes, there is persistence. We're going to stay here at the city gate until Sheba is defeated. We're going to go through as many tribes as we need to until Sheba is found. You know what we need today? We need some folks. That's not insistent. Church has got to get out at 8.30 or 9 o'clock. They're not inconvenienced by a move of the Holy Ghost. I know we got to get up early and I know we got jobs and I, I know we've got responsibilities. But oh, what about the lost person? What about that young person that's on the edge that doesn't know whether he or she is going to stay in church or backslide next week. What about it? What about people praying in the altar? What is it today that, that when the preacher preaches and we come down to the altar and we bow for just a little bit as we should and we give it just a few minutes and then we're up again and we're ready to go and we know we didn't get what we need and we know we didn't really touch God but we made ourselves feel a little better and we just gave a little token response instead of saying God cleanse me and God break up that fallow ground you know that takes time sometimes sometimes it takes a while to repent 
It's more than just saying, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I'm sorry. Now, sometimes it takes a while to get all of that stuff out of your heart. All that unforgiveness and all of that worldliness and, and all of that malice and all of that ill will and, and all of that junk that's got in there. It takes a while to cleanse that heart. And it takes more than just three minutes bowed at the altar. Hallelujah. What about sinners praying in our altar? People needing the Holy Ghost. People needing it so bad. You know, we'll pray just a little while and get up and say, Well, I tried. Well, I tried. People needing to be delivered and people needing to be set free. And this is their only hope. This is the only, they tried rehab and it didn't work. They tried the psychiatrist and it didn't work. They tried all of this other stuff out there and it didn't work. This is their hope. You know what we need today? We need people with a burden that will stay with it. I'm not an old timer, but I do remember services that lasted till midnight. I'm not an old timer, but I do remember just lingering around. I didn't want to go eat. I didn't want to go to a restaurant. I didn't want to go run the roads. But I loved what I felt so much. I was so stirred. I was so moved. I was so broken up. I didn't want to walk out those doors. I wanted to hold on to what I felt and what I had. Hallelujah. You can be seated one more, one more thing and I'm going to let you go. There was another time that this bodyguard was called on. and That was when David was an old man. He was about to pass from the scene. David was weak. He was drifting off. He was about finished. And Adonijah decided, his son, I'm going to be thrown. I'm going to be king. I'm going to take the throne. I'll be the next king. And uh, so Nathan the prophet went to Bathsheba and he said, Did you know that Adonijah has declared himself to be king? He's got Joab behind him. He's got Abiathar the priest behind him. And they have declared him to be king. And, and, uh, and I thought that Solomon had been promised to be the next king. She said, that's exactly what David said. So she goes to David and she said, I, I thought you promised to me that Solomon would be the next king. And, and David, in one of his more lucid moments, he says, yes, that's what I told you. And she said, Adonijah is the king. And he's declared himself to be the next king for the next generation. And he says, I tell you what to do. I want you to get Zadok the priest. And I want you to get Nathan the prophet. And I want you to get Benaiah the mighty man. And I want you to put Solomon on my mule. I want you to put my robe around Solomon. And I want you to anoint him with oil as king. And I want you to parade him through the city streets. And I want you to say for all the people to hear, God save King Solomon. And so Zadok and Nathan and Benaiah did exactly what David commanded. They anointed Solomon with oil, put the king's robe on him and put him on the king's mule and began his journey toward the throne through the streets 
of Jerusalem, crying out, God save King Solomon. And right there with the priest, and right there with the prophet, and right there with Benaiah, their leader, was the Cherethites and the Pelethites, lifting up their voices, saying, God save King Solomon. You know, today there are, there, there are some kings that have taken the thrones of, of the lives of the next generation. That somebody needs to step up and say, Adonijah don't belong on the throne. You've got the wrong king on the throne. Sports don't belong on the throne. Hollywood don't belong on the throne. Your job don't belong on the throne. Family members don't belong on the throne. Money don't belong on the throne. Fashion don't belong on the throne. Somebody needs to stand up and say, you got the wrong king on the throne. This next generation needs the right crown and needs the king's robe and needs the anointing. Needs somebody to step up and say, the right king is going to be on the throne. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. You know what's happening? Mamas and daddies. Mamas and daddies, you hear me. You better let your kids be pastored. My father's here tonight. My mother's here tonight. And I can say one thing about them. They let my pastor pastor me and he was a little rough sometimes brother Melvin McDaniel his brother's here uh, tonight and brother Melvin told me more than one time more than one more than one time he told me boy you gonna make it around here you gonna have to have some tough hide and he was right but I'm gonna tell you if you want your kids to be saved you better make sure that the church is exalted and the ministry is exalted in their lives. Don't come dragging them to an altar after you've run down all the saints and you've run down every preacher and you've run down the ministry in general. We can't help them. So well. There ain't no Sunday school teacher going to get on to my darling. There ain't no youth leader going to get on to my sweetie pie. There ain't no pastor going to get... The best thing you can do is let them kids be corrected. It ain't going to hurt them. I'm sorry. I've ruined the Friday night service. Oh, Lord. But I'm going to tell you, We have got to have the right king on the throne for the next generation. I preached a funeral recently. My my wife's uncle, he was not in church. And uh, before he died, he asked me to to preach it. And I I was looking for things that I could bring out about his life. He was not a religious man, but but, uh, 
his children told us, they said, you know, one thing about our daddy, he wasn't a religious man, but what he believed, he believed. And said, what, one thing about our daddy was that he believed in America and he believed you ought to buy America. And said he believed that to the extent that when we went shopping, him and mama checked the tags on our clothes to make sure none of them said made in China or made in Taiwan or wherever else. It better not say made in anywhere but the United States of America. And I thought, I wish some daddies and some mamas would get that kind of determination about what the preacher preaches on holiness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Said, no, 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 no. You're not bringing that in this house. You telling me a man that never walked through a church house door could enforce something like that in his house? And you can't back the preacher? You mean a man that never had the Holy Ghost and didn't go to the house of God, he could stand up and say, that's the way it's going to be around here. Woo, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, God will bless a family that stands beside the man of God. And you don't have to say, well, I don't understand why, but I guess, well, I'd rather not, but I guess that's the way it's going to be. You ought to, you ought to, to your children, you ought to say, hey, thank God for a preacher that's got, when the whole world's letting down and anything goes and he tells us where to draw the line, he tells us where the skirts have to be. He tells us, He tells us, He preaches it. Come on now. You ought to thank God for a church that still holds the truth and holds a standard. You ought to thank God. Come on. Let's make sure that the wrong king doesn't take the throne of our children's lives. Hallelujah. Amen. If I could get some music tonight. I, I just recently, and I'm, I'm closing. I'm just about through. Just recently, we went through a, a tragedy in our church. And a little three-year-old boy accidentally got a hold of a gun and shot himself. A little three-year-old boy. I dedicated him to the Lord three years ago. Precious, precious family. And as soon as it happened, they called me and I went to the house there where it happened and there was that sister just crushed and uh, had to go to the police station with them the crime lab stepped in and took over because it uh, was a shooting and they had to investigate and we sat at the police station what seemed like hours I'm not sure how long it was but sat there and watch that little sister sitting outside of the detective's office and watch her come out and she says pastor I can't believe this is happening this cannot be real this cannot be real and and sat with that family for several days and the grief and the sorrow 
that uh, they were going through. Losing the little boy full of life and full of energy and, and smiles and mischief. And uh, stood there beside of them on a Saturday as they walked up to that little casket for the last time to look at their child. And that father reached down and picked up that boy and said, I want to hold him one more time. And uh, say goodbye to their own life and blood. And it was on a Saturday and I really didn't expect them to come to church. I really didn't expect them to be there. But uh, Sunday morning, church started, and I looked across the congregation, didn't see them. And it was a few minutes in service. Here they came through the back door. Walked in, and Sister Ava, she walked to her pew, put her purse and put her things down, and walked straight up to the front of the church, put her hands in the air, started loving God, tears rolling down her face. You know what she was saying? Is I know who's on the throne. I don't understand, but I'm not going to let bitterness get on the throne. And I'm not going to let resentment toward God get on the throne. And I'm not going to let my own offense get on the throne. I'm going to worship and praise God. I'm going to tell you, saints, we go through...